Hey all, this is Barbaros. It is Wednesday, June 8th. Um, it's been a few weeks, I want to say at this point, that we um, have done a, a podcast. And um, the reason being is that Adam, uh, uh, my co-host for this uh, podcast, uh, did relapse. Uh, he is in treatment and has been in treatment for uh, about um, over a week. Uh, so he's safe. Uh, I have spoken to him. I do have his permission uh, to share his uh, this information. Uh, he wanted me to put that out there to you know the podcast uh, listeners and people who know him who might not know exactly what's going on. Uh, but he is in treatment in Massachusetts. Uh, he'll be there for uh, some time. Um, and he, you know, just mentioned the relapse, uh, a, a part of the triggers, plural, uh, you know, it was just a, a lot of, you know, emotional stress, uh, that was overwhelming, um, that, um, you know, you know, same thing as before, as he mentioned, you know, not being honest with not, you know, volunteering this information, uh, it eating at him and then, uh, eventually, you know, uh, leading to a relapse. Um, so, uh, he definitely wants to be here. He wants to be with me, uh, doing these shows. Uh, but obviously given his, you know, circumstance being in treatment, not accessible to the, you know, the internet and, you know, his phone, um, you know, uh, you know, he wanted the, you know, the, the show to kind of, you know, go on and ideally, you know, he'll jump back in, um, you know, shortly, to, um, you know, share his input and share his impact and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, by doing so, uh, listening, you know, to our listeners or their family members, you know, make an impact in a positive way. So it prevents uh, someone else's relapse and prevents someone else's, you know, spiraling both with mental health issues and, you know, with substance use and, you know, th this kind of stuff. Um, just a little bit of background for our listeners. Uh, we were supposed to record about two weeks ago and Adam and I were going back and forward uh, and he was physically not feeling well, as he mentioned, and, you know, he had to kind of reschedule. Uh, and then, um, you know, got a message uh, from uh, somebody that they were trying to reach out to Adam. He has not been responsive, which is unlike Adam. Uh, and so I started, you know, messaging him and he was not responding. And, you know, for me as a normie, as you know, people in recovery would call, um, you know, would call people like me, you know, people who don't have substance use disorders or addiction issues. Um, my mind went to the place of, you know, relapse uh, and disaster, you know, once again. And so I tried to reach out. I tried to be supportive. I tried to be encouraging. Um just because, you know, I don't want anything to happen to my friend, Adam. Um, I, I, I sincerely do care about him uh, and I love him dearly. And, you know, these things that happen, you know, pain me greatly. Um, and for people who don't know, you know, anytime someone relapses, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to come out of it. Uh, it doesn't mean they're going to survive. Uh, death is definitely uh, always a possibility when someone is, you know, drinking or drugging in a very kind of intense, uh, way. Um, so, you know, my mind went exactly there that I, I did not want him to die. I, I don't want him to die. 
Uh, he brings a lot of value to my life um, and to my wife. Um, you know, um, so, you know, it really did pain me and hurt me uh, that, you know, he was not even responding, you know, and I, and I, you know, did the concerning therapeutic thing. I tried to be supportive. I did the tough love thing where, you know, I just asked him just, you know, there's nothing out there for you. You, you know, you, you, he knows what it feels like. He knows what it looks like. You know, the disaster, you know, just all, all the, uh, you know, you know, addictive behavior beyond the using, you know, and just get off the street, you know, just go ask for help. You know, all these you know treatment providers and people he's made, you know, awesome contacts with, you know, absolutely would take him in. That's exactly, you know, exactly what happened. And so, you know, he was able to, you know, return back to inpatient detox, um, and then, you know, was offered up, you know, a 30 day residential, you know, in Massachusetts called the CSS program that we've talked about before in previous podcasts. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's there now and, you know, the game plan as of right now is just, um, you know, try and going to, uh, you know, a long-term, you know, program, you know, something that he can kind of, you know, work on himself, improve, and really for me as a therapist and what I have conversations with people is really breaking the cycle of relapses. And what that means is that sometimes, you know, even though the person is committed, they're doing the right thing, but every, let's say, you know, six months, they seem to kind of relapse. And so what happens is biologically, behaviorally, emotionally, they kind of are set up to fail every six months. So something will, you know, transpire, let it be in their control or out of their control. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, they'll be kind of back in that cycle. And that kind of every six month period will kind of, you know, cycle through. And so what I encourage people to like is to be, you know, really cognizant of that cycling of relapsing behavior or returning back to old behaviors. And the idea is to do something about it, right? Change things up, really recognize, oh, wow, it's month five. I got to, you know, really, you know, be on my toes. I got to ask for more help. I got to be more involved uh, with my support system, meetings, uh, therapists, you know, whatever the case is. And really be, you know, vulnerable in that way and really grab support. Because um, I think for me as a therapist, always interesting is that when people kind of break through that, they recognize that. One, it is possible they didn't have to kind of give in to, uh, you know, their urges or cravings or go back to old behavior. And there's kind of a new lease on life. There's, there's this notion of, oh, wow, like I, I broke another cycle. And so the idea in recovery is, you know, not looking down the road, but, you know, how can I continue to kind of build the status up? How can I build the notion of, you know, one day at a time I've breaking my relapsing cycles every six months or whatever it is, you know, for the folks out there. Uh, and it's building that strength and, and building that uh, you know community uh, around you to uh, to keep going. Um, Adam and I have talked about this, I think, on a previous podcast, but I'll, I'll put that out there again um, to people um, in in the DSM, so Diagnostic Statistical Manual, uh, which you know therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists use to diagnose individuals. In the DSM for substance use, it states that, you know, someone who has under 12 years is partial recovery and someone who is over 12 months or 12 months and over, it's called sustainable recovery. So imagine, you know, for folks out there who may have loved ones who've gone through, gone through like cancer battles, 
and so in cancer, the, the, you know, the big notion is, you know, no relapsing, no flare ups, if you will. I want to say in like the five year marker, right? So a lot of blood tests, a lot of follow ups, a lot of x rays. And so some of the statistics show that, you know, if they don't have any kind of symptoms of cancer in five years, they're kind of in sustained recovery from their cancer. So on that kind of same parallel with, you know, substance use recovery, according to DSM, and for people in meetings, it's different. But um, in, in the DSM, it states that it's 12 consecutive months. So, so 12 consecutive months of not using, you know, a substance or a substance of choice. Um, and furthermore, is, is not exhibiting any, like, you know, uh, substance using behavior. So... Uh, you know, going more beyond just the, the substance itself. It's the behaviors. It's the, you know, self-medicating behavior for any other thing. Um, and so I really encourage people that, like, you know, some of the goal, uh, you know, for treatment is, you know, yes, one day at a time, but if we can help each other get to the one-year marker, uh, that really is beneficial. And so as a clinician also, when I have this conversation with clients, I talk about why, you know, 12 consecutive months is significant, you know, significant. Now, if you think about for for people in their lives and their using lives, right, it, you know, depending on how severe it is and, you know, how long it takes them to kind of get sustained, you know, recovery, uh, it might be years, you know. So to so for someone to have 12 consecutive months of non-using and, and non-addictive you know, behavior, it's a massive, massive milestone. Um I take it a step further and I really encourage folks to think about it this way is when someone is able to kind of go through long periods of recovery and sustained recovery, right? Day in, day out, week after week, month after month, up to that year marker is that person has now experienced 365 days of recovery. Now, why is that significant? The significance comes with that is they've experienced all the monotony, let's say if they're working and they didn't pick up, they went through every single weekend and did not pick up and relapse. They went through every holiday and for folks in recovery, holidays, you know, the one that's coming up for us July 4th, right? Big drinking, big partying for some folks. Sometimes those things are triggers and that have gotten people to relapse. And so being able to experience July 4th in a sober way uh, allow them to refer back to that experience a year later. So um, like for the following July 4th, if someone can stay sober for this July 4th, they can say, hey, this is what I did and how I did it. And this is how it kind of benefits them. Uh, and what experiences of holidays can bring for people is, you know, the next holiday, right? So July 4th is the next, you know, big one. Uh, then we have... Uh, uh, Labor Day uh, that comes up. Um, and that's, again, another three-day weekend for some folks. And so some people can kind of go off the handle. So it's recognizing, hey, I, this is what I did for, you know, July 4th. It was successful. How, you know, what can I do, you know, in, in late August, early September to make sure that I, I'm safe, I'm sober, um, and I'm around the people that I, I love. So the other thing that I emphasize to folks who are in this phase of, you uh, you know, you know, the 365 of recovery is um, also birthdays. If you can go through your birthday sober, now you have that guidance. You have that experience uh, to leverage 
uh, for the next celebration, right? It could, it could be your loved one's birthday, uh, where in the past you might have been using um, anniversaries of any kind. And what I emphasize to people is also the notion of anniversaries that are both positive and negative. So, um, you know, folks, you know, who are in recovery, you know, a, a lot of death, uh, I shouldn't say a lot of death, but death is common. It occurs uh, with people who use, um, unfortunately. And so there could be an anniversary of someone's death, someone's funeral, a uh, family member's death, uh, a birth. All these things for people in recovery, especially I want to emphasize in the first year, uh, can be immense, intense uh, experiences. And how do you circumvent that, right? How do you work through it, go through it, take on the experience and reflect back onto positivity that I did it. I went through it. I felt the emotions. I felt the feelings. I had the thoughts, but it did not uh, sway me to go back to kind of old behaviors. So if you think about what each one of us go through on a yearly basis, it's not just you know the highs and lows for the matter. It's the monotony, the boring days, the, the days that you couldn't you know, pick apart. Um, and for people in recovery and people struggling with substances, I think this is an immense opportunity for us to really emphasize that the meaning behind you know, daily and weekly uh, success when it comes to sobriety because it's information gained for that. Um, and you know, Adam has been, you know, contrite and open and honest about his experiences over the last few years. Really, the uh, the notion of bringing this podcast to life was really, you know, educate, help him, but also help others. Um, and that's my aim for Adam is for him to recognize there is some, you know, cyclic behavior of relapsing every three, four, five, six months, whatever the case is. And can he recognize what that is? And can he even look forward, right? So it's June now. What are some anniversaries, birthdays, holidays that are going to be both positive and painful for him? And for him to openly talk about that here on this podcast, but ideally to himself and his support system so that a, a, a healthier game plan can be developed. Something that's you know, stronger um, to challenge, you know, what has been going on, you know, for him so that he can feel better about himself, you know, self-confidence and self-esteem, um, you know, improved self-esteem, I, I believe is, is a massive factor to, you know, people sustaining their surprise, really feeling good, looking good, um, you know, um, you know, being, re- you know, reinforced by other people who've kind of seen, you know, the tragedy and see people on the other side uh, kind of come through. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, immensely important, important. And, you know, I hope that, you know, for Adam at, at one point when he listens to this, that he's proud of the podcast uh, that I'm doing kind of, you know, alone, um, you know, with his permission, of course. And, and that's why there has not been a podcast in a few weeks because I wanted to make sure that uh, I respected him um, I had his input b- before anything else um, were to occur. Um, and, you know, not only is my co-host, but, he, you know, he's my friend. He's someone that I, I, I genuinely love and I care for. Um, and I, again, I want him to see, I want him to do better. I want him to feel better. I want him to, 
you know, really benefit from the life that he has been given and the life that he knows um, how he can live because uh, he's been there before. And, and so it's strengthening that. It's 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 not getting back to it. I don't like to call it that way, but it's it's getting stronger, actually, you know, learning from the current mistakes and, and being a he- overall healthier, well-rounded individual. Um, so th- this is an, an unfortunate part of it. Uh, Adam and I talked about it. Uh, I think loosely, uh, we have a little bit of a game plan in terms of what's obviously what's going on now. Uh, so I'll put out there to, you know, the podcast listeners, if there's anyone out there, you know, who has been affected by, you know, addiction, recovery, uh, or a family member, you know, if you're comfortable, um, you know, please email uh, me, us. And if you want to, you know, jump in and uh, talk about that experience. Uh, so the email, once again, is, you know, the addict and the counselor at gmail.com. This podcast is the addict and the counselor. Um, Adam is in treatment, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so he's not available. So if there's anyone else who would like to, you know, warm the chair uh, in his absence, uh, he also approves of this. This is not just coming from me. Uh, again, I would not, I would never in a million years uh, think of, you know, betraying him in, in that kind of way. So, uh, he is highly supportive of having a co-host temporarily, um, as we recently kind of brought in, um, an outreach worker that, you know, Adam has experienced, um, in, 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 in the past, um, you know, was on here, you know, as, as a guest. And so that's something that, you know, we could always, you know, thinking about. And so, you know, you know, Lindsay, thank you for being the first one. Hopefully if there's anyone else who wants to kind of come on in, just email uh, the addict and the counselor, all one word uh, at, at Gmail. And um, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you want to talk about, you know, whatever's going on, obviously the nature of this podcast is to inform, educate, uh, support, uh, and, you know, banter uh, what Adam and I, uh, do very, very well, both on the podcast and <laughs> off the podcast. Um, so yeah, I, I would love that opportunity if anyone is comfortable in sharing that because, you know, this information is very secretive. Uh, and I guess I'll piggyback off of that. And I think for me, for someone who's been in the field and, and helping people, you know, who's struggling with substance use for, you know, over 21 years now, uh, I think for the family members, right, not being embarrassed about the person's uh, use. Uh, you didn't cause it. You didn't, you, you know, uh, make it worse. Um, you know, sometimes it, it is what it is. And I think the more comfortable we are in society talking about our loved ones, uh, openly and honestly about our experiences of them and their using behavior, I think we all win. I think society wins. I, I think this is how we are going to make a drastic impact on the next person who decides, uh, you know, to pick up a drink or a drug in, in a very kind of intentional self self medicated way. Uh, but when we hide things under the guise of you know privacy or whatever, what does that do? Um, you know, uh, the the secrecy of diseases is what actually makes diseases. Uh, like this one, uh, more pervasive, uh, more powerful. 
Um, and I understand uh, it, it takes a brave individual, a brave family member uh, to speak openly and honestly about that. But if you take a look at what our society has achieved uh, because of that, right? If you look at mothers against drunk driving, right? Where did it start from? Mothers whose family members probably died uh, by a drunk driver. And so they were empowered uh, to speak openly and honestly about that. Um, when we think of other diseases, I, I mentioned can cancer earlier, um, right? We're not necessarily bashful of breast cancer or colon cancer or lung cancer, right? Even someone's a nicotine smoker. Both my parents, you know, smoked, uh, thank God they're smoke-free uh, for the last like five or six months, but they've chronic smokers for most, if not, you know, their entire lives. So you know, do we bash someone who smoked and had, you know, throat cancer or gum cancer or lung cancer? No, uh, we're, we're supportive. Uh, we're, um, you know, we're, 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 we're there for them. You know, we acknowledge, you know, their pain, their suffering, and ideally their, uh, their recovery. So, you know, why do we as a society look differently? Um, on addiction, right? And I've, again, I'm speaking with people who, who are knowledgeable and not knowledgeable about this. You know, there is a lot of, you know, s stigma based on, oh, they're doing it to themselves. And partially it's right, right? You know, for Adam in, in this most recent case, right? Uh, drugs didn't come to Adam. He was in a sober living environment. Um, he was not necessarily around it. The people he was uh, communicating with, um, you know, we're not actively using. So yes, he did go out. Uh, but if you look at the biomedical factors of, you know, brain chemistry, uh, emotional dysregulation, uh, time, play an immense, immense factor um, to, uh, you know, relapses. So it's not just someone's intentionality, they have a thought and they're off and running. It, it's it's pervasive. It's obsessive. It's compulsive, um, and, and it, it's constant uh, for these folks. Uh, so let's not shame that. Um, but let let's understand it. Right. Talk about it. Um, find support. Get support for ourselves. Right. There are things like Al-Anon and Allergene and, and support groups for family members who are suffering because of someone else's substance use. Right. Um, the way that I refer to it, it's it's a we disease, not an I disease. The person who's actively using, yes, they're the identified patient or client, if you will, but the family member, the support system plays an equal role in terms of success and failure of this person's recovery and or addiction even. Um, addiction is not in a vacuum. Uh, people survive with it because, you know, they're being supported somehow, some way, uh, in unhealthy ways by people that they actually love them. Um, you know, and this this allows the cycle to go on. And, and that's why treatment is so important. That's why finding the right level of care is important. That's why finding the right support is, is important to break these vicious cycles for the individual and for the family. Uh, everyone wins when someone is sober. Uh, no one wins when someone uses uh, collectively, you know, um, but also, you know, within a unit, you know, a, f a family system. So 
I really praise a lot of family members who are open and honest about loved ones, you know, who have died. And for me, originally, you know, uh, you know my hometown was Methuen and um, there's definitely been a lot of loss of life uh, and, you know, young people, right? And just for folks out there, when there is a relatively healthy 25-year-old or 30-year-old that dies, and I'm not excusing random acts of death, because if that can't happen to healthy individuals, but there are other circumstances, and it gets swept in the rug because the family, the loved ones, are sheerly embarrassed that either they knew this person was actively using and now they have lost their lives because they're using uh, and they feel somewhat uh, responsible for that. And no, you don't. The answer is no, you don't. Uh, if you don't put drugs in someone else's body, uh, literally, uh, you are not responsible for an adult's uh, you know, behavior. Uh, we are responsible for our own actions, right? Holding ourselves accountable, having healthy boundaries, uh, talking about treatment, talking about sobriety openly and honestly. As we talk about other things like going to the gym or you know going to work, recovery is just kind of the same way. So, um, a lot of loss of life, you know, for folks that I grew up with uh, because of addiction. Uh, and it's just extremely, extremely painful and really saddening, especially now for me living in New Jersey uh, and having that kind of distance, but recognizing like, hey, this person was here and all of a sudden I'm just getting Facebook feeds of like RIP, RIP, you know, blast, all this kind of stuff. And this person is, you know, my age uh, or even younger. Um, and this happens with alcohol. Um, this happens, you know, with drugs, uh, you know, cocaine, pills, um, and of course, you know, heroin, fentanyl, things of that nature. It's not, it's not just isolatory to one substance. And I want to, you know, emphasize that for people who are, you know, you know, drinking in unhealthy ways. Um, alcohol causes a lot of death, uh, here, uh, in, in the United States, uh, as does, you know, other drugs. And again, it it takes all of us, um, you know, the, Addiction community, both the the using population and the non-using population, but it also takes, you know, uh, the non-using population to all be supportive and for the same kind of cause. And if we take a look at social change uh, across the board with anything else that we've, you know, we've had concerns with, it's not just the people who are suffering because that's a small number. It's most of us who care about something greater than us, something that does not look like us. Uh, our same experiences to say like, hey, I support that. Uh, I support that cause. Um, so I, I think it makes us more human. I think it makes us uh, more humble. Uh, and it cares about our, our, our uh, you know, it cares about somebody else that we might not surely know. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, I think that's a great human quality that, you know, we should continue to embrace, you know, you know obviously specifically in the round you know, uh, the addiction, you know, community, you know, the recovery community. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'm always compelled to, you know, talk about it openly and honestly about my experiences. Uh, I'm compelled to support people who are, you know, willing to have the conversation. Um, and it's, it's, it's not your typical, oh, I use every single day. Well, some people drink once a week, but when they drink once a week, they get drunk every single time, Right. 
And some people out there might think, well, isn't that the point of alcohol? No, it's not the point of alcohol. Yes, you know, alcohol, if, if drank with certain speed and intentionality, you will feel the effects of it. But if drank responsibly, right, you see those commercials, um, you negate a lot of that stuff. You know, so um, I want to just kind of, you know, put that out there, you know, to folks is that uh, I, I really do charge people who are listening, uh, both in the community and not in the community of, you know, addiction and recovery, is to talk openly and, and uh, honestly about, you know, what you've experienced. Uh, uh, you know, as a family member, it only embraces, you know, someone else feeling more comfortable uh, because, uh, stigma and shame based on addiction and recovery uh, is still so um, um, you know powerful and that's why the secret of using and recovery uh, occur and then things like this where again Adam is compelled to talk about it and again convey to me that he's open and comfortable in talking about his most recent relapse ideally to change the narrative. And so I really do charge folks to openly talk about if you have a loved one, you know, who is an you know, active alcoholic or, use, you know, using substances or someone who's in recovery, you will easily find, uh, you know, multiple people who had that same experience. You know, it's not, you know, unique, right? It's not just, you know, one out of a million, uh, it's much more prevalent than you know we give it kind of credit to, but because of silence and stigma and all these kinds of things, uh, <clears throat> it you know keeps a secret. So we, we don't necessarily know who's suffering or who's who's even successful, you know, uh, w- with it all. And um, it was wild in, in, in my like early tw- early twenties and mid twenties, you know, you know, and having a lot of friends and you know. Uh, so many people I knew who are absolutely not in the in the definition, both clinically and kind of like socially and alcoholic, but people who've experienced DUIs. Now, what does that mean? Uh, was that you know were they drunk driving? Maybe did they have more drinks than they typically do and drove? Maybe, or it's one of those scenarios that. You did it enough times drinking and driving, even appropriately, and this is the time that you kind of went over your limit, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, there was a police intervention, and and you got pulled over, and you got stopped. So, you know, these things occur. Um, every occurrence uh, with a substance is an opportunity to reflect back onto the common denominator is the substance, right? If you didn't have even a singular drink, you usually don't have to worry about being pulled over for drunk driving. You put a drink inside of your body, now the thought is there that any officer could stop you for any given thing, smell alcohol in your breath, um, and go ahead and, and, and do the testing, right? Um, so, you know, this is what's, you know, you know really important. Um, and each layer of this conversation is an opportunity for someone to reflect back onto the use and saying, wow, it is, it is not in my control. Uh, I am using it. Uh, in unhealthy ways. I am using it more than what I intended to use. Um, I am um, caring more about that than other responsibilities like working out, like eating right, uh, like taking care of myself, whatever. These are early kind of indicators that there might be an issue kind of going on. And so I, so I think, you know, we as society can really reflect on that, you know, with our loved ones, our family members, whatever, and just being like, hey, it seems like you care about that thing more than you care about me. 
and you know what's going on with that and really creating that conversation those boundaries uh can really change the trajectory right um this notion of well everyone has to have to hit rock bottom one i absolutely hate that saying it is absolutely not true I would say that there's probably hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, who had one significant life marker with a substance and had changed their relationship with it. I know a bunch of people, personally, uh, really unhealthy relationship with alcohol, and due to circumstances, due to consequences, they stopped on their own. Uh, no detox, um, you know, no you know family intervention, but they said oh, wow, every time I get into an accident, I've had a few drinks. Or every time I get into an argument, I've had a few drinks. I feel crappy in the morning because I've had a few drinks. And people reflect on that and it changed that. One of the things, especially for men that I've witnessed, is that um, no other behavior besides anger. When I was drinking, I was always angry. I was always looking for a fight, getting into fights, just being absolutely angry to loved ones or whatever. And, you know, they were self-reflected and they changed that, um, n- not through AA or NA or a- any kind of like, you know, you know, uh, treatment modality, but it was a self-reflection. I think this happens significantly more than we give it credit to, but we don't p- kind of pay attention to it all. We don't really emphasize it a- 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 as positive change. Uh, and I think... We can all do that, you know, t- together, both in our own behavior and both in the behavior uh, of loved ones uh, that, you know, we experience. Uh, so I really do support people in talking about this openly and honestly. Uh, people who listen to this who are on my Facebook, you'll see that I always post a lot of things about recovery um, and, and things of that nature, Um so it's really important for me that people kind of constantly hear that. And for someone who's a therapist also in the field, I want to really open up the conversation, you know, about you know, what's going on in people's lives. Uh, not No judgment, uh, no bias. If you're struggling with substances, I can help. Adam can help. This podcast can help. There's other people like us in society, in your community that can help. And all everyone wants is someone to get better. That's the name of the game. Get better every single day. And if that means reducing your use or eliminating your use, there is an opportunity uh, to achieve that and you know, really working with a team to be able to do so. So hopefully people find you know solace in this podcast, uh, some resources in this podcast. Um, you know, this one particularly, the first one, you know, I'm doing alone, which is very, very odd uh, and uncomfortable for me. Uh, I want my friend back here. I want um, um, I want him back on this podcast. I want him uh, to be his you know healthy uh, and happy self because that's who the person that I envision. Um, before I kind of turn it over to the five controversies, that is going to be uh, I think a less uh, less enjoyable because Adam is not present today. Um, but the last time we we spoke, uh, he was in, in the thirty day pro, you know, program, and so uh, you know we spoke for a few minutes. He told me kind of you know what happened, um, and kind of you know what the game plan is a little bit, um, and you know we, we we talked for a handful of minutes. And I want to just say this as 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 a man, as a guy talking to another guy and and having a strong bond with this other guy, we left the conversation with "I love you," and that was really meaningful to me because. 
men sometimes can't say that to each other, and especially for people that they care about. Um, so I think it's important for uh, men, but all of us, uh, for the people that we care about, that you know, we end our conversations with "I love you," and um, I absolutely love Adam. I don't want anything to happen to him. So um, I hope uh, people benefit from this. Uh, anyone who has any um, you know comments, uh, please you know email the addict and the counselor uh, at gmail dot com. Uh, this podcast can be found on Spotify. Apple uh, podcast and Amazon music uh, podcast at the addict and the counselor. Uh, so please comment, like, follow. I greatly appreciate, you know, everyone's uh, input and impact. Uh, we're here to help in any way. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll go over to the five controversies just so that we keep uh, the cycle going. And when Adam joins, we'll definitely, uh, jump uh, back in on this. Uh, so first one um, is pancake versus waffles. Uh, maybe a big controversy for folks out there when you go out for breakfast or have breakfast at home. Um, I've had both, obviously, uh, but I would definitely lean more pancake for some reason. I don't know what it is about that over a waffle. Um, you know, uh, de- definitely just prefer the, the, the flat uh, version uh, of it all. Um, so I don't know what Adam would say. And when he comes back on board, we'll, we'll jump back into these, but, uh, that's the, uh, uh, that's my, that, that's my choice uh, for this one. So I'm a pancake lover. Uh, a friend of mine makes fun of me because, uh, I, as an adult, as a grown man, I have chocolate chip pancakes, which is very, very sweet, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, you can put a lot of different things uh, in, in, into it. So, um, uh, the next one is a morning or, or um, uh, evening person. So I myself, I, I'm definitely a, a morning person. I do like to sleep in, but um, you know, once my eyes are open and once the sun's you know is is, is there, and I'm kind of like uncomfortable in bed, I would much prefer uh, you know getting up out of bed, really enjoying as much daylight as possible. Um, so I'm definitely more of a morning person, kind of you know get at it, you know, get the day and enjoy it. Uh, so f- the next one is an interesting one. And for folks out there, if you don't have either one of these, get with it. <laughs> Come on, it's an easy way of, uh, you know, sharing uh, and splitting uh, money. So Venmo versus Cash App, I think are the two competitive ones. There's obviously Zelle, which is bank to bank, which is a little bit different. That's why I didn't include it here. But um uh, I heard about Venmo first, and so I kind of jumped on Venmo, and I really love the idea of like sending money people as quickly as possible. Especially if you know we go out to eat and I don't have cash or whatever, uh, and they're you know fronting it, and just boom, right there, a couple of clicks, uh, it goes right to you know their app. They get their money, and everything's all set. Cash App has definitely gained some steam, but since I already had you know Venmo, uh, do you really need more than one? You know. Uh, more than one app, you know, exchanging money with folks. So uh, Venmo all the way, Team Venmo. And for any Venmo listeners who work for corporate, you know, um, we'll definitely promote your uh, your stuff if you uh, send us some money. Uh, we, we, you know, uh, Adam needs money and I need money and that would be nice too. Um, next one is uh, fiction versus nonfiction. And I think this is referencing, you know, books. Uh, and for me... 
I much prefer nonfiction books. I can get more into a story that's real, that I can feel like it actually happened versus something kind of like, you know, made up. You know, have I read fiction books? Yes, I lean more to nonfiction. And that's my kind of my joy, uh, just kind of really, you know, reading, you know, facts and drama and things that kind of happen in real people's lives, you know, really kind of gets me invested into the book. Some of the kind of the fiction stuff, I kind of lose interest because I know it's, you know, can't happen or didn't happen. And uh, yeah, I, I lose interest kind of, you know, that way. That's just my take. It doesn't have to be your take. Please play at home uh, if you feel comfortable. So I'm definitely nonfiction guy over fiction uh, anytime. Last one, fifth controversy for today. Um, back versus side versus chest sleeper. So for me, uh, I am a 100% a chest sleeper. Uh, a couple of fun facts about me um, that uh, slightly uncomfortable sharing. I have massive tonsils, which most likely should have been removed when I was a kid, um, and several strep throats and swollen tonsils, whatever. And even today, any doctor that I see who kind of looks at my throat look like, wow, you have big tonsils. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I have big tonsils. They should have gotten out. But my parents are immigrants, and it's wasn't the top of their priority, especially, you know, you get better. Um, and because of that, if even if I'm on the couch laying on my back and I'm kind of dozing off, um, I will start to have difficulty breathing because my uh, my tonsils are so big and uh, my uh, air pipe will begin to kind of close up that way. And I'll kind of like gurgle or kind of like jolt myself out of uh, sleep. So uh, over the years, like sleeping on back is not an option. It's not comfortable for me. Side is okay, but I'm definitely a chest sleeper. I get more relaxed that way, uh, feel less pressure on my joints and stuff like that. And so those are my five controversies. Hopefully people are playing at home. And for the folks who know Adam and Adam listening to this podcast, uh, he will definitely uh, rip me uh, for uh, some of these choices. I, I'm sure of it. Uh, and, I, and I can't wait for uh, for him to be back. So I hope you all enjoyed uh, this podcast. Again, please follow, like, comment, email the addict and the counselor uh, on uh, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast and email us, the Adam and uh, the counselor. I do have some communication with Adam. So if you all want to uh, send any messages through the email, he should have access to that and I can share that information too. So the addict and the counselor.com. Uh, uh, the, the the addict and the counselor at gmail.com and the podcast is the addict and the counselor thank you all for listening i greatly appreciate it and for adam our first podcast without you uh ideally miss you and i love you very much and i hope you are doing well thank you all enjoy the rest of your day